Well, I believe one of the central tasks, if not the central task um, of preaching, is to draw people into the Word of God such that they can uh, experience it um, and live it out in their lives. And one of the ways we do that is when we hear the Word, um, we begin to think uh, and learn quick Christian things. We, believe we get Christian ideas that are in our head. But I, I think it's actually important that we learn to think in a Christian way. Not just think Christian things, but think in a Christian way. And this is something that I have uh, been dwelling on for a number of months. And so the, the last time that I preached here... Um, I tried to incorporate that in, and you may recall uh, I was speaking on uh, the U.S. election and specifically terrorism. And, you know, what is a Christian response to that? What I found interesting was I had a number of people come to me afterwards and said, you know, that was really good, but you kind of left us hanging. Like, we wanted more. We wanted you to bring a sharper edge to that. And I thought about it. I was like, I said, well, no, I, I wanted to leave you there because I don't want to give you Christian things to think. As we open God's word, I'm hoping that we can learn to think in a Christian way so that we can apply that Christian thinking to any one of a number of issues that we face. So I really do believe it's not so much about thinking Christian things, which it is, that is part of it, but it is, how do we think in a Christian way? And so, as tempted as I am to pick up the U.S. election, as that is coming up on Tuesday, I'm going to leave that there um, and encourage you to think about that um, amongst yourselves. And as you'll hear today, um, think about those things as a community and think about them with your friends. The issue that I want to look at today is one that um, I have been thinking about uh, because of specific situations that I've come across in the last few weeks. And there was one particular situation that really drove um, this alcohol tragedy uh, home to me. I was at one of our food bank depots and a young woman had come in and she had a kid with her and you know she, she was experiencing a pretty hard time. And the volunteer, you know, explained how the program worked, and she said oh, it was really hard to get down here. And the volunteer correctly explained that, you know, you can give your ID to someone else, and then they can come in and, and pick the food up, you know, friends or family. And this young woman just said matter-of-factly, I don't, I don't have any friends. I, I don't have any family. And she just walked away. I mean, I looked at this and I, was, I didn't know what to do. And I've had a number of these experiences where I am aware of just the deep, deep social isolation that many people in our communities are experiencing. People in the church, people outside the church, but profound isolation, extreme loneliness. And so as I was reading scripture with this thought in mind, I, I came uh, to the story of uh, Jesus calling Matthew. And when I read it, 
it jumped out to me and it really spoke to me um, as to how we can approach uh, this issue that we very much have in our community of isolation. And so I invite you to turn with me now uh, to Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of God. So we have a story here that we've likely heard. It's fairly simple. This man, tax collector, Jesus says, hey, come here with me, and they have a meal together. My tendency is to blow over that and go, oh, yeah, okay. But... I stopped and I dwelled on it and I thought, what, what is God teaching us? What is Jesus teaching us in this interaction? And there were two things that, that really jumped out to me. The first is boundary crossing. And to understand what I mean by this, we need to understand who is the tax collector? Who is Matthew? What is the situation that he is in? He is someone who in his community is viewed as a traitor. He is someone who has betrayed his people and gone to work for the Roman Empire. And not just work for them, but to use that position to extract money from his own people. And so he is isolated from those who he traditionally would be uh, a part of in the community. He is separated from them. And what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to him. Matthew is at his tax collector booth, and Jesus goes out of his way to seek him and say, come, follow me. Jesus has crossed a social boundary. He has, he doesn't, he's not there to pay taxes. He is there to actually invite this person into relationship. This idea of boundary crossing we find throughout Jesus' ministry. I mean, we heard of the other disciples, Peter, Andrew, John, and James. Jesus goes to them. They are on a beach, they are fishing, and Jesus goes to them and he says, come follow me. As we look at the gospel stories too, we can draw to the fact that crowds are drawn to Jesus. But Jesus is on the move. Jesus is going to different places to meet different people there. And as he goes there, people come to him. But he is on the move. Jesus is going. He is stepping outside of boundaries to go and actually meet people. But there is an even bigger example of Jesus crossing boundaries. The incarnation itself. Jesus, that is God, coming from heaven to earth. 
overcoming that boundary, stepping out, going towards. It has been said, the great difference between Christianity and every other world religion is Christianity is about God coming to people. And other religions are about people reaching up to God. This idea of crossing boundaries, this idea of going to the other, going to the isolated, going to those who are separated, is integral to God's character. And as we are image bearers of God, we too bring that message. We too live out that way. We too are called to cross boundaries, to go to others, to go to those who are isolated, to go to those who are different from us. So I want to ask some questions. How many important conversations have we had with someone who is of a different race than us? How many important conversations have we had with someone of a different age than us? How many important conversations have we had with someone of a different social class than us? And if we have had those conversations, how many of them have been part of a longer ongoing relationship? These are tough questions. I know I haven't had many of those. I like to hang around guys who are about 40 years old and like to do things outside. There's no boundary crossing in that. In asking those questions, though, I've been very careful about how I've worded it. When I think about reaching out to others, my mind immediately goes to service. And so questions like, well, how have you helped the vulnerable in the community? How have you gone out and served your community are the default questions that I want to ask, questions that revolve around service. Now, I think service to the community is important, but I think there is a critical difference between service and friendship. And so the second thing that I see us or see in this passage that is critical for us to understand is to look at the fact that Jesus does not go and serve Matthew. He invites Matthew to come follow him, but in doing so, Jesus is physically prepared to go follow Matthew. He is prepared to follow Matthew into his social circles, into his circumstance, so that in doing that, Matthew is able to follow Jesus. When we think about outreach, when we think of what our world needs, we think of initiatives like Loaves and Fishes, where I work. What a great outreach and service to the community. And it certainly is. But we're missing something. We often think of counseling services, 
perhaps dental clinics, perhaps mission trips, all important services that we can provide to our community and the world at large. But if that is all we have, if that is all we do, and we miss the critical aspect of friendship, we have missed something. Jesus gives Matthew the command, follow me, and then Jesus proceeds to go and have a meal with Matthew. This isn't about providing a meal for Matthew. This is, from my reading, he's actually getting a meal from Matthew. Sharing of a meal builds intimacy. It builds friendship. It builds connection. And this is exactly the sort of idea that we see in John chapter 15. Listen to these words of Jesus. He says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus calls us his friends. And we are called to go out in friendship, to cross boundaries, to be friends with others. We will go out and serve. Serving is important. But we need to make sure that we see the whole gospel picture in what is going on here. The danger with only seeing service is that it sets up a power imbalance. The person giving the service is the one who has the resources. Those resources might be financial. Those resources might be um, professional. But there is one person who has something and there is another person who doesn't and there is a flow. There's not a reciprocity there. There's not a give and take. There's not a service to each other. It is a one-way route. And I think this is a real danger that we have in our community. I was recently at a round table of local nonprofits and community leaders speaking about the problems of seniors' isolation. And I mean, I heard all kinds of terrible stories about people isolated. And I heard all kinds of solutions. Solutions that involved professional people providing professional help for people in specific situations. And I couldn't help but sit there and think, is this really what our world needs? Is more services? And the phrase that has come very, become very clear to me is that we have begun to professionalize community. I stand here as executive director of Loaves and Fishes Food Bank. 
I am employed professionally to make sure people have food to eat. That's ridiculous. That's totally ridiculous. If people need food to eat, where are the friends? Where are the family? Where is the neighbors? I don't want to be idealistic, but let's be realistic on what the problem is here. And people can look at the work we're doing at Loaves and Fishes, and I think it's good. But wouldn't it be better if we had closer friendships that just made a food bank totally a backwards idea? Like, why, why would we create all this bureaucracy for people to just have food to eat when if we're interacting with each other and friends and sharing and overcoming these boundaries, we don't need it. The world does not need more service providers. It needs the church. It needs the church to be crossing boundaries, building relationships, living something different, showing the world that there is a different way, a different way built on relationships. I was so encouraged this morning when Robin mentioned that yesterday there was a gathering and the focus was on building relationships. I had no idea that was happening. I was like, oh, perfect. It's no encouragement to me that the message I'm, I'm bringing is you know, a foot before I even begin to speak. Now, as the church rises to this opportunity... As the church crosses these boundaries, as we as individuals go out into the world to form these friendships, there are very real dangers and pitfalls. These are dangers that scripture itself makes abundantly clear to us. In Psalm 1, we read, Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands not in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. Or Psalm 26, I do not sit with false men, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the company of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Or from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship does light have with darkness? The fact that Jesus and his disciples are dining with tax collectors and sinners, seems to be directly opposed to these commands given to us in Scripture. Commands that are given to us for our own good. And so the Pharisees have taken Jesus to task on this. They're like, hey, what's going on here? And Jesus' response is twofold. First, he applies common sense. He says, look, if someone's sick, what do they need? They need a doctor. The doctor is who is going to help the person who is sick. These people are sick, and I've come. So Jesus has, in fact, agreed with the Pharisees in that these are not the sort of people that uh, he should be associating with. But he's recognized that they need something. But that's an appeal to common sense. And the Pharisees who take Scripture seriously, who 
want to do the right thing need to have Scripture brought to them. And that is exactly what Jesus does in his follow-up. Quoting from Hosea, Jesus says, Mercy is what I want, not sacrifice. Sacrifice involves separation. Separation from others. Whereas mercy is engagement. And so the intent here is not to set up two pieces of scripture and play them off against each other and go, hey, we get to pick one and reject that one. But as we think in a Christian way, we need to hold these things together in tension and see what is it that God is teaching us in those situations. I think it's critical that we be reflective on these stories and that we think in a Christian way. So it is not my task so much to give you the Christian answers as it is to invite you into the Christian story to think about that and ask, what is God saying to you? How is God asking you to live your life in light of these seemingly competing ideals? Dale Bruner, one of my favorite authors, has addressed this tension head on And he's given a delightful summary here. He says, we need to be with the wrong people for the right reasons. Now, often we want to be with the wrong people for the wrong reasons. But, or we want to be with the right people for the wrong reasons. I think he's really hit it on the head there the wrong people for the right reasons. I mentioned that meeting I was at on seniors' isolation. And I looked around that room and there were nonprofit leaders, there were nurses, there were social workers, there were bureaucrats. But there was a group that was missing. Where were the church leaders? They hadn't been invited. Why hadn't they been invited? It wasn't even on anyone's radar. And I sat there and I was thinking, I'm like, there's something, there's something that's missing here. And I realized the church needs to be in those conversations, needs to be there offering hope, offering solutions. And how do we get there? We get there by being invited, by living something different. The hope of the world is the local church. Jesus is doing things through his local church. And we need to allow Jesus to do that through us, that we can step out across boundaries. That we can step across these boundaries, not just in service, but in relationship and in friendship. And in doing that, I do believe that God will continue to act, that God will continue to transform our community and continue to transform our world. Let us pray.
God, you have called us friends. And wow, what an amazing thing that is to be friends with the God of the whole universe. God, help us to go out in friendship, to befriend those who are different than us, those who think differently than us, those who have a completely different background than us. Just as you have crossed boundary, Jesus, you call us to cross boundaries. Give us the strength and the wisdom to do that. May we do it in the power of your Holy Spirit. That we may love you more and we may love our community more. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'd invite you to please stand. Dear friends in Christ, you are loved by God, you are cared for by God, and you are friends of God. Go out in that knowledge and in that power to serve. Amen.